this just in. The podcast, it's under attack by swarms of robots. Oh no. Oh no, they're messing with the volume and the sound panning. Stop that, you bionic brute. Oh, who will save the show? Just thought I'd swing by to say hello. It's me, Action Guy. Oh wow, Action Guy? Your quips are legendary. Hey, oh, I'm here to kick ass and look pretty. And I ain't wearing a mask. Alright, that that one was not that great, but uh oh, okay the robots are gone, but oh my oh the set it, it's the set's ruined. <laughs> hey, no need to thank me, citizen. Guess you could say I'm bringing down the house <laughs> or a apartment complex. Is wait, is this a basement? Where am I? What is this joint? It's a head-mounted destination. Hello, travelers, and welcome to Head-Mounted Destinations, a podcast about virtual reality and VR game development. We give you our perspective as developers and a peek behind the curtain into how VR games are made. I'm Carlos, and I'm a game designer. And I'm Matt. I'm a gameplay engineer. And today we are talking about Swarm. A fast-paced, arcade-style, grapple-hook shooter that's focused on, like, quick bite-sized session and big, colorful graphics, along with getting high scores. This game came out, what, a week ago? Yep. And we are loving it. Yeah, I've been in, like, quite a big gaming funk for the last, like, two weeks, it feels like. Maybe a little bit more. And then I saw a swarm come out, and I'm a huge grapple hook fan slash aficionado. And like while we were making this episode, I think you asked me like, you know, what what VR games have grapple hooks? And I listed like my list just kept going. <laughs> and this one is just like it pulled me out of my gaming funk. It has that tight drop in, drop out game loop, and. Oh, it has the mobility that I love. It's like, oh, we, I, 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 in this game, I have like more mobility than, um, Sorrento. Like, I'm moving around the level more than, say, Sorrento, but I am not expending nearly as much energy. Yeah. This game has a lot of similarities to other games, but there's something about it that really jumps out to us, and we think it's going to do pretty well in the market. So we wanted to break down. Why is that? What does this game do differently or better than other similar games? Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of a framework in my head for whether or not a VR game is going to succeed. But it depends on three pillars. Having a good kinesthetic core loop that feels good to play. Having compelling or interesting character, whether that's the world visuals or actual characters in the game or just like a fun world building behind it. And then the last pillar is fantasy fulfillment. You know, that's People like Beat Saber in part because they get to hold a lightsaber. And this game, everyone's calling it Spider-Man VR with guns. So this game has all three of those pillars. The core loop feels great. And the world is fun and colorful and, and goofy. And it has that fantasy fulfillment in a big way. So I think this is absolutely going to take off as long as they nail their post-launch plan for keeping the game alive. But we'll cover that later. Yes, this game, Swarm, is super fun, and we think it really could take off quickly, especially if the developers keep breathing life into it with, like, post-content drip, but 
more so going back to the game, uh, we've sort of been mentioning the game loop. We mentioned a bit of the mechanics, but I don't think we've actually kind of like broken down what Swarm is. So just a quick preface to any of our travelers who haven't gone to Swarm or seen anything on Swarm. This is a very arcadey game. You've got two grapple hooks, you know, one on each hand. You've got a machine gun pistol, one in each hand, and they're the same device. And you're basically using the grip buttons to shoot out your grapple hooks and your triggers to shoot. And so you'll have to like grapple hook around the level. You're swinging around these uh, big arena levels to kill enemies that are delivered in kind of this like Galaga style drip feed of like groups of enemies that fly in like weird patterns. Uh, Some of them have like different uh, attack behaviors and if you kill an entire group of them you'll get like bonus points or if you do tricks like going around the level super fast you'll get points and or ability things while you're like moving around super quickly and killing all of these enemies you have abilities to assist you either in mobility or shooting enemies Uh, on your left hand you have the ability to slow down time and on the right hand you have the ability to do what they call a zip which to me reads as basically spider-man's web zip from you know spider-man ps4 slash spider-man 2 that trinity really builds the core loop, right? There's the zip, there's mm-hmm. the grapple hook to swing, and then there's the shooting and the time slow, which is for like aiming and, and killing enemies. And so all of that builds into this this loop of, you know, you don't want to hit the floor. If you hit the floor, you die. And so you're looking for a platform to grapple off of, and then you're moving, and then you're, you release, and you can only shoot when you release the grapple. And the zip and the grapple are almost opposite in terms of how they change your momentum. The grapple's for redirecting your motion, and the zip's really for getting, like, changing direction and going straight towards a particular point. Yeah, it's worth noting, too, that zip can be used offensively. You can actually, like, zip line into enemies to either deal damage or kill them outright. And something I noticed while playing is that the zip is so much stronger if you do it on an enemy. Like, as, a, as someone who has made it to, like, the final world, I highly recommend mostly using your zip on enemies because it will pull you entirely to that enemy rather than if you were to zip towards a platform it does kind of like this sort of half pull or a yoink it's interesting it's like a lerp versus a yoink Mm. i think that's the first thing that makes this game stand out compared to other games with grappling hooks is the fact that Mm -hmm. it has the zip because it allows you a totally different possibility space in terms of how you can move Like just thinking about other grappling hook games that I've played, it's often very difficult to get where you want to go. And I ran into that way less in this game because I can switch off between the two modes. This game also compared to other grappling hook games is, I want to say, more complex than most grappling hook games while having less inputs. In the actual game of Swarm, as far as I've seen, you're only pressing the grip buttons, the trigger buttons, and the lower face button. The complexity is in the mechanics themselves, which I think is really good. And that that lends it that also lends itself to the kinesthetic gameplay loop. Yeah, it's a good point that there's a limited number of buttons in this game. I can compare that to, I think, Jet Island has a reel-in, reel-out mechanic with its grapple hook, but that uses the thumbstick, whereas this uses your hand position in order to to change the way that the the grappling hook works. So that's great. And then it's taking actions off of buttons and putting them into the physical space, which is absolutely what a VR game should do. Let's break down the grappling hook mechanic a little bit and look into why it's more successful. So the grapple hooks 
they're bound to the grip buttons. This at times could have the feel of doing like that kind of Spider-Man like index and ring finger going to your palm motion. So that makes sense. The easiness of like using the grapple hook starts to gain complexity when you as a player need to either navigate to specific areas or avoid specific areas. I actually find avoiding areas is like far more difficult in this mm-hmm. game than getting yourself to areas. Yeah, it also has a huge number of quality of life things, like the fact that the grappling hook instantaneously goes to the target that you're shooting at, which is not the case in a lot of other games. It's a little bit counterintuitive because, well, a grappling hook takes time to shoot, but this, it just immediately goes and does like a fun little comic book wiggle effect. And like the hitboxes are super lenient. Yeah. These platforms are kind of small, but when you're far away from them, the hitboxes are maybe two or even three times the size of them when you're talking about angular size. Yeah, but it never feels wrong. Right. It feels great because in real life, we're not that great at aiming angularly. You know, we don't have Spider-Man reflexes. You know you want to go there. And so the game lets you do it because it would totally suck to like shoot kind of in the direction and then it misses every platform. So that's good. They also expand on that idea of being lenient on the player aim by also doing slow-mo when you're zipping. It's a forced slow-mo window of a fixed amount of time. And then whatever you're aiming at at the end of that window is what you zip to. I I just want to call that out because one, I really like that mechanic. And two, that mechanic reminds me a lot of, I think it's the Amazing Spider-Man video game where they made like Spider-Man's parkour system very similar. If you wanted to do some sort of parkour trick, the game would slow down. You would go into first person view of Spider-Man and then you could look around and like totally that that heightened awareness moment is what that slow-mo is trying to like translate to the player i think yeah it absolutely plays into the aesthetic of the the fantasy fulfillment but it also serves a mechanical purpose of overcoming fitz law which is you have to take a certain amount of time in order to be a certain amount of precise when you're aiming and so that's that's amazing it does double duty i think it's also worth calling out i just was thinking about this The fact that the platforms don't collide with you is actually a big part of making this game feel better in terms of the mobility, because Mm -hmm. in a lot of grappling hook games, you're grappling against objects that collide with you, whether that's walls or like floating big spheres or or whatever. And so the issue there is if you run into that object, which is probably going to happen because it's pulling you towards it, if the grappling hook is reeling it at all, that stops your momentum when you hit it. And this, the only thing you can hit is the, like, invisible barriers at the edge of the level, which bounce you back with high velocity. That's a big thing, is the yeah. bounce, too. So so they address two issues in this game. Is, one, the abstraction of, like, removing collision from certain objects, namely the ones that you use all the time, that also help you, which I think is just the platforms. Um, there, there are things, there are, like, hazards or pieces of the level that you can bump into but regardless none of these stop you the game is always about keeping momentum right like similar to sonic the hedgehog it's all about like building that momentum and then just executing cool shit while going as fast as possible the fact that it bounces you i can't count how many times in games like windlands or like say spider-man far from home experience how many times swinging into a wall just dead stops me and like you want to swing somewhere else but now you don't have any movement and maybe in windlands more likely than not your anchor points now right above you so you can't even like start pendulum and Mm -hmm. it's just such an annoying experience so to have all these anchor points and say oh no that's okay they're 
you know, they are just there as anchor points. Even your sloppiness at times is rewarded. That's huge. This game is just like yeah. trying to o trying to always give you carrots while still creating a very like deadly environment as the game moves on. Well, right, because the game is not about precision movement a lot of the time. And so like basically mm -hmm. every design choice is aimed towards keeping you going in that like bouncing around, swinging around the level, bouncing around the level loop. Stopping the player would be totally antithetical to the design goals, which is why this is one of the small points I have against it. It's weird that the floor immediately kills you. Mm -hmm. I know we disagreed about that when we were talking off air, but it's it feels like maybe it could convert to instant death in later levels, but at least initially having it deal some damage and then bounce you back up. You know, it's a slap on the wrist. It's like, hey, the floor is lava, but it doesn't yeah. totally break you out of the that kinesthetic loop in a very punishing way like it's very punishing to have to replay the level yeah yeah i get that it's definitely punishing to have to replay the level and you feel that burn certainly in worlds like four and five but i think for what the game is for how long it is and it's real focus on arcadey loops i think like the failure rate is okay especially because the the failure time and the time to getting back in is so short in general, I agree with you that it would have been good for World 1 to bounce you back, but then beyond that, have like the floor is lava idea. One thing I wanted to say to the like, you're getting ping ponged all over the place and, you know, trying to kill enemies. This sounds like it would make any regular person sick. I think this game does a really good job at being high mobility and hopefully avoiding motion sickness. How I believe this game avoids motion sickness is by one, your like UI crosshairs in the world, and two, always having you focus on things in the environment. And half of these things are static. So like you're either focusing on like grapple points that are always static in your environment, or you're trailing like enemies with your eyes. I think that takes away from whatever messes with like your equilibrium, having focal points, basically. Interesting. My my two big guesses on why it, it really dodges motion sickness was, A, the levels are huge. Mm -hmm. There's no like visual walls that are very close to your play space. All the big geometry is in the skybox, yeah. which means that over a lot of your visual field, you're not getting that parallax that suggests motion. And so it's only dots of enemies and platforms that are moving. And so it's easy for your brain to be like, oh, well, they're moving, not me. And the other thing is that the only time that your motion changes significantly is either when you do it or I guess when you bounce. But like bouncing accordingly is kind of disorienting. But like, for example, in a game where you're moving around on a 2D plane with artificial locomotion, I feel like a lot of the sickness comes from the abrupt shifts when you change direction or turn your head and it causes you to like wiggle and not move in a straight line. Here, you're moving in very broadly curving arcs a lot of the time or immediately shifting. You're stopping and shifting velocity when you zip, and that's all under your control. And so I think it's avoiding those like micro movements that might get you. Not sure, though. We talked about the motion aspect of the kinesthetic loop, but we should talk about how the loop has this rhythm between shooting and moving. And that's, I think, really where the game shines. Like, yes, they did a yeah. good job with the grappling hook, but also it's the counterplay between 
you move and then you shoot a bunch and then you move and then you shoot a bunch and this keeps pulling you back in you want to play more levels yeah a hundred percent and so jumping from movement and focusing more on combat uh, i want to just talk about the enemies a little bit you'll have enemies that play around with this like high mobility idea so one of them to start is uh chasers enemies that explicitly follow behind you and then when you are slow enough they will like position themselves somewhere around the like sphere of your immediate area and then do a like bull charge at you you have like your sniper enemies which are super far away so like the chasers encourage you moving fast and moving in like a direction that's like opposite of the chasers the 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 snipers or distant enemies encourage you to either take these guys out like far away or be moving or zip to them right you have mines which are these like now roadblocks to the environment all all of these things by the way you can shoot them and destroy them um so if you want to just brute force and like you know, quick shot everything you can. And in some cases, blowing up these mines causes other enemies to blow up. There are actually like mini explosive versions of, of some of those grunt enemies. So if you shoot that one, it actually propagates and blows up like two or four more enemies, which is very satisfying. Like everything I'm listing here hopefully sounds very satisfying because in the interplay of the game, it creates a good like like a good like combat chess in your head so one good example is let's say you're swinging around the level you've got like four snipers in, in each corner you've got a group of chasers following you mines all over the place and now suddenly laser enemies who you can see forming the red lines like ahead of your path just moments before it actually materializes it one, you now have to prioritize which enemies you want to take out first, and this is entirely like based on what you as a player think is like the most pesky thing to uh, deal with. Um, as in, like, what hinders your ability most? Lasers that will shoot out in front of you, or enemies that will chase you, or mines that control parts of the sky? Well, you say, you know, you say, oh, you can just brute force it by shooting all the enemies, but like, it's sort of about you can't shoot all the enemies it's about the prioritization and like each enemy type is clearly designed to push on a different part of the loop and and cause you to prioritize it differently it's like i i gotta avoid all these chasers but now when i move you know there's mines in the way but now i've got to deal with this enemy that shields other enemies and now i've got to deal with these zombie enemies in the background that keep reviving each other it's so like each enemy yeah. stacks on this layer of like Oh, but I should target that enemy first. Oh, but I should target that enemy first. And that it changes a little bit depending on exactly what you're trying to achieve in the level. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, if you're someone like me early on in the game who likes to, like, slingshot themselves very high up and then, you know, have plenty of time during that arc to shoot enemies, you end up getting screwed over by lasers. The chasers end up catching up to you because, you know, you run out of speed up at the very top and uh, they can hit you there. Right, and it forces you to move differently throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, like, web zip. If the laser enemies come up, the game explicitly tells you, like, use web zip to get out, of, to change your path at the last second and stuff like that. I guess, so it's worth saying that this is a wave shooter, obviously, and wave shooters have kind of a bad rap in the VR market because a lot of early games were, were wave shooters and people are like, oh, we're sick of wave shooters. 
But that format of, you know, you have levels that are designed with waves of enemies that come out in a very specific pattern. It affords the designer a huge opportunity to introduce enemies and build waves that are composed of enemies such that they create interesting play experiences. They 100% do that in this game very effectively. The fact that they can play with these waves of enemies means that they can nail into the rhythmic aspect of the game and, and build to a certain amount of tension where there's a bunch of enemies on screen and speed up the action. And also other elements of the game also play into this rhythm, you know, such as the music or audio visuals, the chained explosions, all of this creates a certain combat rhythm and the way that it fades off at the end of the level, it just like leaves you wanting for more. It's like a cliffhanger at the end of a TV show and you just, you want to see the next episode immediately. Yeah. That I think is part of what makes it very successful in the moment to moment. Yeah. I would describe the entire package. It's very robo recall in spirit mm -hmm. like mechanically no like you know they're two very different games but both of them are high action wave shooters and they have like some unique take on it with the wave shooting here yes it is a wave shooter but you're not even thinking it's a wave shooter because you're so like the mobility aspect is so tied in and i think that might be part of what the floor is lava rule kind of like helps facilitate so like now that you've baked in mobility as like half of the game, your game isn't just a wave shooter. It's really showing that wave shooters aren't bad in and of themselves. They can just mm -hmm. be done poorly very easily. It's easy to do them poorly, <laughs> but it's a yeah. great tool for adding up lots of interesting changes to the gameplay without requiring a lot of level geometry or, you know, content like they can they can reuse the same spaces. Yes, and in reusing these spaces, there are also different objectives. Let's say Arena A is used for five levels. One level is going to have kill all enemies. One level is going to have survive for X amount of time, which you could simply just be swinging around. Another one is actually like a gem collectathon throughout the level. Uh, and there are also boss levels. Like that's something we haven't even touched upon. Like the bosses are really freaking cool. And they introduce like new enemy types over over the course of the game. So again, we've seen this in Robo Recall, but that but it's it's a sign of like good progression, good overall game progression and like enemy progression, I think. But it also is very juicy and like that's something Robo Recall had going for it, is it was super polished. This game, I think, is polished to a similar degree. And that's something that I think differentiates it from a lot of other games is a lot of VR games maybe don't have as much polish as they should. When we talk about juiciness, Traveler, we're talking about like how much player feedback or how much reward you're getting for a certain action or an input. Right. So this is the thing that, you know, it's the layer on top. It's the feedback that makes it the difference between identical mechanics feeling good or feeling bad. It's the little animations when things happen. It's little sounds that react to the way that you uh, interact with the world. Yeah. Um, for, for example, the grappling hook platforms in this game, when you grapple off of them, they have like a, a wobble animation and we leave them behind. They keep moving for a little bit. Uh, when you shoot out the grappling hook, it does this cool comic book wiggle effect. There's speed lines around the player when they start moving fast. 
when you bump into the pendulum, it makes a huge bong before bouncing you in a different direction. When you are going into slow-mo, it has a sound, it has a screen effect that inverts all the colors, it pitches all the sounds down. When you kill the little grunt enemies, like the little flies, some of them just blow up, but others that get hit like by the outside of the blast, they'll die by kind of like flying off to the side, you know, like there's some sort of like red leader in Star Wars who just got shot down. When you collect crystals that increase your score multiplier in the game, it starts playing musical tones that match the music. It's all these little things that they're small, but they stack up and they turn each moment into this like huge audio visual spectacle. Yeah. And actually, it's not just audio visual because they have the haptics as well. Um, which mm-hmm. like as you're putting tension on your grapple lions, you can feel the tension levels changing using the haptics. And it's like just feeding another input into your sensorium. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, speaking about juice and we haven't talked about weapons, but once you get a chain lightning gun and I'm just going to call it force lightning because that's just how I am. When you like when you get that shit and you feel the vibration as you're like unlimited power like force lightning just droves of enemies and it's propagating out and you could hear the announcer so what so everything we've listed is like all like 27 different things are all happening in one second right i'm like unlimited power hearing the thunder snapping i'm like feeling the vibration in my hands i just wiped out an entire wave of enemies in like one second and i'm seeing all of them explode and hearing that and i'm hearing the announcer saying like full row clear and seeing that ui like actually in the world where that group was wiped out and it creates like such a like fuck yes like you're a badass moment that is baked into the micro like that is baked into the core loop and the core loop is so short and sweet that you have these like bombastic three minute experiences and it just makes you want to keep coming back to freaking do it again we talked about this on a previous episode but it's important for games to be able to expand after launch now in the current market to keep players coming back because there's only a certain amount of content and in order to survive in the market you need to stay on the top sellers list basically right and with news being how it is you want to have your name repeated in the news feed or the news cycle for anyone who's like remotely interested in your game. Fortunately, this game is going to be able to expand pretty easily, we feel. Basically, everything about this game has the ability to be expanded. Yeah, so first thing I want to bring up, modifiers. Modifiers are an easy way to like encourage replayability in a in a more arcadey game. Uh, this game does indeed have modifiers, so it already has like an easy, medium, and hard mode. Uh, easy removes the floor is lava aspect, and hard mode just makes enemies faster and uh, more HP. I think. Um, but you could have modifiers on top of that, which will, you know, not save your score, but it'll be fun as hell to play, such as like unlimited rapid fire, low gravity, unlimited slow-mo, and I could very easily see more coming online as the community gives feedback to the developer. Potentially other things too is like maybe new weapons or like new platform styles, It's worth looking at why this works for this game and maybe not other games because 
you, you sort of think, well, okay, like every game has different mechanics that are maybe modular like this. Why can't they release content updates? Like, it's, it sounds like the big question you're trying to get at is how is it that this game can have parts subbed out for other things and it doesn't break that core experience? Whereas, if you were to sub out something from Lone Echo, if you were to sub out something from there, it like changes the game drastically. Right. In Lone Echo, it's not really clear what your your core loop is. Like there's the locomotion aspect of it, but like generally the narrative arc is just a lot broader. But in this game, basically you move and then you shoot and then you move and then you shoot and you move and you shoot. And as long as you don't interrupt that loop, you can basically stick anything you want on the outside of it. You start thinking about it, you're like, oh, there's all these ways that you could introduce new enemies and new modifiers and new guns. And like it all works because... It all builds on top of that very, very small loop rather than swapping out parts of that core loop. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you were to try to introduce something, say, like new in Echo, Lone Echo, you have to do a whole like five minute tutorial sequence to understand what it is because it's not like a super easy, quick concept, I guess. What a great segue into talking about the first time user experience and tutorialization in general in this game. Wow. Yeah, seriously. I you know, you bring it up and I think that's the only thing I disliked about this game. What's <laughs> the tutorial? Well, I what think, do you think? On its face, it does an okay job, right? It gives you a very short tutorial right in the beginning of like, here's how to swing with the yeah. grappling hook. Okay, go here, fight enemies. And then it introduces zipline as an ability and then it introduces new enemies and weapons as they come up. So you're condensing down the Fatui slash tutorial bit, which is you're spawned in the, in the level, it's all grayed out, and you're just standing there. You can't do anything. Computer, GLaDOS, or whatever explains like what the mechanic is. And yes, this is short, but you're fully grayed out and you have no interactivity. You can't even skip the talking if you wanted to. And then you can, and then you have to do the action. I found that to be kind of annoying, especially after having gone through so many fatuis. Yeah, it's a small friction point, but it stands so opposed to the free movement aspect of the actual game that being locked in place for even a small amount of time feels so wrong. Yes. It also doesn't do a great job of teaching the core mechanics. Uh, if we're going to nitpick the like actual tutorialization, it tells you to pump your arms to put tension on the line when you're swinging. But I found that that was a very poor description of what you're supposed to do yeah. because actually pumping it doesn't make you go faster as far as I could tell. Keeping it tensioned Same. gets you to go faster. And, and when to tension it potentially dictates like where your momentum is going to be right. aimed at that that's what i've started noticing um but yeah even the video they show for pumping your arm you know it looks like you're pulling down like on a train to make the or a truck right. to make the horn go but like that is totally like i i would do that and be like yeah i feel like i'm moving mm -hmm. like but I'm I'm not. I'm actually losing momentum. Whereas, like, if I just like hooked into something, pulled it taut, and then released at at the right arc, it would like get me going somewhere. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the marketing, as marketing is a very important part of any game. Because otherwise, how will players know that your game exists? And apparently, this game did a good job with its marketing because a bunch of people that I know knew about the game. I didn't know anything about the game, but I also bought the game the moment I saw it, despite not knowing about it. 
So it's also <laughs> presenting itself well, I think, in terms of the color palette and aesthetic, and that stands out well in the market. But uh, you discovered it through Reddit, right? Yes, I found it through Reddit, um, whether it was like the announcement of it or an earlier prototype version of it, that, like easily several months ago, like long enough that I actually forgot that it even existed. But yeah, I mean, I saw it, I was like, wow, it had a bunch of upvotes on uh, on like the Oculus and or Steam VR subreddits, and people love Grapplehook games, so you know, obviously, if you put grapple hooks on the internet and it is at all decent, people will talk about it and spread mm-hmm. it around. Um, I'm very interested to know what the actual like sales metrics are behind it. Hashtag free the data, Zuck. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think like two big things with the marketing here is how action oriented it is is really going to speak to a lot of audiences like casual and hardcore audiences can appreciate a really good fun engaging core loop that's why uh beat saber you know that's why beat saber's big um so that's what we have here along with the reddit marketing doing things like the closed beta and having a a a community discord as the game was being made probably helped heavily right i mean that's a very typical thing yeah now is you got to have a discord for your community but the closed beta i think was interesting because it was like an opportunity to build some good faith with the community and 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 get some super fans out there who are like oh yeah no i played the game and i didn't get motion sick and then they're on reddit there's you know responding to people that are like oh would this make me motion sick and they're like no i was in the closed beta it's not gonna make you motion sick and I think that helped a lot. That was a big thing, even hammering in on the no motion sickness aspect in the marketing materials. Especially for a game like this that could break through to like a mass casual market, that that's still the first and foremost question is like, am I going to get sick from playing this? And if you can answer that with a hearty no, you're going to have an awesome time, then like it makes someone way easier to pull their wallet out. This game is also very gifable. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned gaining traction on Reddit, but like that's not easy. And I think the fact that it has a cartoony aesthetic with big blocks of color and outlines makes it very readable, whether you're in a low resolution headset or looking at a small GIF on Reddit. And I think that is something to keep in mind is like the design of the art actually helps the marketing of the game. Yeah. Especially paired with everything we talked about with the juice, like Mm -hmm. seeing a gif of somebody execute a good grapple hook maneuver with some slow-mo hitting some weak points and then just seeing a symphony of comic booky explosions. Uh, I, I mean... That right there sounds about it sounds as appealing, if not more, than seeing a cool blade and sorcery gif, Ugh. which we know Reddit loves Reddit those. Loves <laughs> so there's a lot of really good information and examples to pull from Swarm, and Swarm has already pulled from a lot of different games and inspirations and created a really good bombastic experience that we think is really going to take off in the coming weeks. We'll have to wait and see, you know, maybe in the future they'll do some type of phantom covert ops thing where they release a pack of challenge levels, or maybe it's uh, an individual arena more a la pistol whip. But we are just going to have to excitedly put on our headsets, play more Swarm, and just rack up those high scores until new updates come out. Hey, buy this game.
Yes, definitely go out and play Swarm. If you don't like it, use the return policy, but this is definitely a head-mounted destinations approved game. Whatever big Nintendo-shaped seal of approval thing that we would put on it, it's going to be on this one. I'm going to be playing it almost certainly after this episode is done recording because every time I start talking about this game, I get ramped up and I just need to jump into the headset and kill some robos. If you liked this episode and you want to hear more, please visit our website, headmountedpodcast.com, and also sign up for our email list so you'll get notified about new episodes. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, you got to visit our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast, and drop a comment. If you really love the show and want to help us out, tell your friends about Head Mounted Destinations. We want all the listens. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the next destination.